we did it. Guys, we read through Ezekiel. Here we are. And so let's go ahead and spend some time in reflection um, in God's word today. And what we do is, is, of course, this is not a Bible study. Bible study is tomorrow. I want to encourage you to join us for Bible study uh, tomorrow. That will be on Discord. So join us for Bible study tomorrow. We're going to continue our study of the book of Ephesians um, tomorrow. And I know I might be rattling some folks, but I love that a lot of you guys are working through it with me. Um, but we will be doing Ephesians. That's a Bible study. That's a more disciplined approach to the reading of the word and the study of scripture. This is just a morning meditation that we do together. Some of you guys will be listening to this later. Some of our patrons will be listening to this maybe 30 minutes from now, an hour from now, since some of you guys, it may be four o'clock in the morning where you are and you may not be able to attend, but patrons can listen to it later. I'll provide it to you guys on Patreon right after this. Some of you guys um, are watching this while it is still morning for you. And some of you guys may be watching this while it's still evening for you. We're all coming together just to spend time in his word to meditate. And what we do as a discipline, when we meditate and grow in the knowledge and the understanding of God, and when I talk about knowledge, I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about heart knowledge, growing in heart knowledge, in the understanding of God. We have to prayerfully ask three questions. God, speak to us. And here's the three questions that we're asking is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question. The second question is, what are you revealing concerning people? And third question is, what are you revealing concerning me? These are the things that I'm asking even as I read is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? God, what are you revealing concerning me? I'm not growing just in head knowledge, but I want to grow in heart knowledge to get to know God and to know who he is. So that's what we are here to do. And so we're going to be reading through the book of Daniel. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. Father, I thank you for the privilege that you've given us to come together, Lord, through technological means. And Father, I just pray that you would speak to us today, um, guide us, lead us, Lord, in our knowledge and our understanding of you. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 1. And it says this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring me some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. 
But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces look worse than the young men who are of, sorry, who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them drink and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and let the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this manner and tested them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away the portion of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king interviewed them, and among them all, <coughs> sorry, among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore the king served, sorry, therefore they served before the king in all manners of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Chapter 2 Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. And the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made of ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you, for you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is difficult. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other 
who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then the counsel and wisdom of Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? And Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So when Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time, he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions that they might speak mercies from the God of heaven concerning this, this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and you have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's command. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to him, to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to, the, to King Nebuchadnezzar that will be in the, what will be in the latter days. Your dream. And the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he revealed secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me. I have more wisdom than anyone living. But, at, but for our sakes, who made known the interpretation to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching, and behold a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron and the clay and the bronze, the silver and the gold 
were crushed together and it became like chafe from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain filled and, and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before you, before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them. You are this head of gold. After you shall rise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And a fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, you will mingle with the seed of men, and they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in these days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And as much as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God who made known to the king that will come to pass after this, the dream is certain and its interpretation sure. Hmm. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel and offering incense to him, the king answered Daniel and said, truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal the secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king and set Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. I'm going to read one more chapter, and then we're going to, to call it. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image when King Nebuchadnezzar, that, which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
and they stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commended, O peoples, the nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image of King Nebuchadnezzar. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, all peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of worship shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down in worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There, a certain Jews whom you have set <clears throat> over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, It is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the, the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Chapter, uh, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Hmm. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression of, of his, on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it's usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. Then these men, bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and other garments, were cast into the midst of the burning furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. 
Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire and the satraps, administrators, governors, and king's counselors gathered together. And they saw that these men on whose bodies the fire had no power, the hair of their heads was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of the fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, that they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship the God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people nation or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. If I had If I had my pen or my marker, if I had my pen or my marker, I would, I would be scribbling all over my Bible right now. I go through so many Bibles because I scribble over it. And then when I run out, I start scribbling over others. I found it. There it is. And I'm reading this text. And of course, this is, um, you know, a familiar text. It's a preaching text (laughs) Uh, because there's so much powerful imagery. There's so many powerful lessons and stories, so much wisdom provided here, and so much prophetic insight that we find in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is a powerful, powerful book. Um, it's a powerful book. It teaches us a lot about the principles of God. It teaches us a lot about principled living. And it teaches us a lot about the power in principled living. And teaches a lot about the power of being distinct. Distinction. I read through this and I'm flipping through because I'm reading through it and there's so much that I would unpack. But there's one thing that I want to be very, very specific about. And the one thing I want to be specific about in this narrative that we've read up to this point is that there are four men here. Four men that I want you to pay very, very close attention to. It's Daniel, it's um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Of course, their names aren't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but as verse 7 tells us, sorry, as verse 6 tells us, it was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Nazariah. You're going to hear me say this over and over again as we read the prophets. Okay, we're reading the prophets now. Well, we've once we get past the poetic books, we're reading the prophets. We read um, Jeremiah, we read Ezekiel, we read Lamentations, and now we're reading Daniel. And then after Daniel, we're going to read Hosea, Joel, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So we're going to read um, the, the prophets that follow these. 
I want to make sure you understand that these aren't, uh, these aren't sequential, but rather they overlap each other. Um, they overlap different stories that we've already read. And this is so important because I want to make sure I give you perspective here before I even share. We're going to spend a few, maybe, maybe a week on Daniel for reading this for 20 or 30 minutes a day. Um, we'll, we'll probably spend a week together, maybe four or five readings um, on this. And so this is the beginning. Um, I don't think we'll be done by the end of this week, but we should be done by early next week as we read through Daniel. But one thing I want you to pay very, very close attention to, and this is important, is context. Because we've read this already. We've read about this before. And I'm always bringing you back to what we've read because that's what we want to focus on, right? That's the whole purpose of the read and rant is so that we see the whole scripture within the context of the totality of the text. When we read first and second Kings, when we read first and second Chronicles, we read the story of the rise and the fall of the nation of Israel. Okay. And, and so we, we read about the multiple times that Israel faced attack from the Babylonians, from the Ethiopians, from the Egyptians. We saw Israel attack. We saw Israel fall. And then you can add Ezra and Nehemiah to that as well. So first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. Ezra and Nehemiah can basically is basically one book. It was just split up into two. Um, Ezra's part one, Nehemiah's part two. And we read through that already. Okay. So though that's the historical, the historical um, narrative of the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. Okay. We talked about this already. But now we're going back and when we read through the book of, you know, Ezekiel, or we read through Jeremiah, Lamentations, we're reading about all that transpired in first and second Samuel, first and second Kings. Now, from the perspective of the prophet, from the, from a prophetic perspective, this is important because we can read the historical perspective. The historical perspective tells us what transpired. Okay. So the historical perspective tells us what the, then we read the spiritual perspective or the prophetic angle to this, which tells us the who and how, what is working in the backgrounds and the purpose, the why for why, for, for, for what's transpiring um, in the story of the children of Israel. Notice central to the Old Testament is really a story about a people. This is some of the deprogramming that many of us have to engage in when we read the Bible. I, I can't say this enough. This is the part in the scriptures that we have to deprogram ourselves from. Too many people have been programmed to read the scriptures as if it is written specifically to them. Okay. Sorry about that, fam. Too many of us read the scriptures as if they're written directly to us, especially the Old Testament, especially the Old Testament. And then we actually miss out on what the Old Testament is actually teaching and saying because we're reading it from, from the wrong perspective. We have to create a degree of separation in how we read it. Back up for a moment and, and understand that this book is a story about a people. 
who are having a journey with God. This is not a book of rules that we follow. This is the problem for a lot of us. We still read this and we go, this is what the Bible is saying for me to do. This is what, no, 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 back up for a moment. This is how a people are encountering and engaging in a journey with God. And then from there, we learn from that. Okay. We learn from that to know now how we ought to journey with God. So we're studying, and notice here, central to the story is the children of Israel, right? That's central to the story. And, and, and the purpose for Israel, and I know I, I'm always going back to this because I want to make sure I'm always bringing you back to perspective here, is the kingdom of God. The whole purpose of Israel is to partake in the institution of the kingdom of God. What do we even mean by the kingdom of God? You have to understand that God was about his kingdom from the beginning. God was always about his kingdom from the beginning. What do you mean by that, Pastor Isaac? Help me understand. When I say God is about his kingdom from the beginning, from Genesis, what was what did he mandate man to do? Let's take a look real quick. I know I, I hate bouncing around and this isn't Bible study, but I want to make sure I remind you, especially now that we're reading a new book, let's get our perspective right. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. Notice he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Some of the earth? No. Over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps over the earth. Notice that it says, let let us make man in our image according to our likeness to do what? To have dominion. That word dominion is rule. That means then that God has delegated his rule over the earth. You don't rule over something without a kingdom. You don't rule over something without a government. You don't rule over something without a, a royal authority. That means then that he created man with royal purpose. We have been given a royal purpose. Does anybody understand where I'm at? Anybody understand where I'm coming from here? This is so important because when we understand that, what we see throughout the narrative of humanity up to this point and what has been exposed here is that from Adam on, we wanted to be our own gods with our own rule, not realizing that we are extensions of God and his rule. And anytime we rebel and follow our rule over God's rule, that leads to destruction in the long run. The only flourishing over the earth is one in which God is ruling and God rules extensively and exclusively through humanity. If people want to know how God is running and how God is ruling, you have to look at humanity. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I'll say it over and over again. God is not doing anything on the earth. That almost sounds, man, that sounds sacrilegious. That sounds blasphemous. They say that God isn't doing anything on the earth. 
God is doing nothing on the earth without human participation. If anything's happening on the earth, he extends it through humanity. That's the whole purpose of Jesus, y'all. God cannot do anything unless he does it through humanity. So God had to enter into humanity in order to do anything salvifically for humanity. That's why people are looking up in the sky, waiting for God to do something. We forget that God isn't doing anything without you. Can I say that one more time? There's so many of us who are looking up in the sky, waiting for God to do something. We look up and go, God, when are you going to do something? Not realizing God isn't doing anything without human participation. Anything that's happening on the earth is happening through humanity. God is extending his power and his rule through humanity. If you want God to move, then you need to believe and move. If you want God to move, then you need to believe and act. So many of us are still looking up for God to do something, but what we have to do is look in. I I I can't I can't emphasize this enough that we we we're gonna I'm gonna you're gonna hear me repeat this over and over and over and over again. Because so many of us have passively looked back, waiting as spectators for God to do something. Faith is not a spectator sport. And so many of us are saying we believe, but all we're really doing is spectating, looking up in the sky, looking around, waiting for God to do something, not realizing God isn't doing anything without your activity. As a matter of fact, God does nothing unless you move. And God does everything through your submission to him. Faith is everything, y'all. Grace, the power of God moves through faith. So for those of you who are sitting around waiting for God to do something, and for those of you who are, who are looking up, let's stop looking up and let's start looking in. Because we are the church, the fullness of Christ. It is not God above us. It's God in us. The hope of glory. It's God in us the hope of glory. I say all that to say that the story that we see throughout the scriptures is one where God is restoring his kingdom and his rule, how God's government, how God wants us to live with one another, how God wants us to rule with one another. And he's doing it through a people. You cannot ignore that that the story of what God is doing is through the Hebrew people, the Israelites. The story of what God is doing for humanity is through the Israelites, is through the people. And so we see the story here and we see what has transpired up to this point. It's one in which the Israelites pay very close attention because I don't have a lot of time today. I got maybe like 10 more minutes. Oh, Jesus. This is very, very important is the Israelites have been the ones who have been commissioned and called from the promise that was given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who now fathers a nation of people 
Abraham, who's father of many nations. Through the promise that was given to Abraham, these people were called to bring restoration to the kingdom of God. This is a nation of priests, mediators, who have been given this task of instituting the kingdom of God. And that can only happen through total submission to Yahweh. Total submission to Yahweh. Total submission to him, his heart, his rule. You cannot rule with God's power without allowing God to rule your heart. Let me say that one more time. You cannot rule with God's power unless you allow God to rule your heart. If somehow you think that you're negotiating with God about God's will and God's plan for your life, fam, you got it wrong. A lot of us, we have lost power, not in the fact that we're not given it. We've lost power because we've lost access to it because we're too busy doing what we want to do, imposing our agendas on God, rather than getting to know what God's agenda is for our lives. Israel has been imposing their agenda over God, and God's kingdom is not one of negotiation. God's kingdom is not one of diplomacy. I'm only saying all this because you're going to see what we're getting to here is that if there's anything that Israel failed in, is Israel failed in compromise. God was creating a distinct people who would institute his kingdom to bring flourishing to the earth and to bring order and peace and balance. The word is shalom, to bring wholeness to the earth. Giving you context, fam, so everybody knows where we're at because we're going to finish reading Daniel. I'll make sure you see it from this angle to bring shalom through a people, to bring, to bring wholeness and healing and restoration to humanity. And he's doing it through these people, but it can only happen if these people choose not to compromise. But Israel compromised and Israel lost the kingdom. The kingdom of Israel has now been scattered. This is what we saw. In, and so what we get to in, in the book of Daniel is, um, is after Babylon's first attack. Remember, Ezekiel prophesied this, the, 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 the attacks of Babylon. Right? Ezekiel, who was already brought into captivity from prior attacks on Babylon. Daniel comes after the first attack that Babylon made on Jerusalem. And so among them, right, once they, once, once Babylon was overtaken, sorry, once Jerusalem was overtaken by Babylon, Jerusalem then commissioned to send the best of the best in Jerusalem, in Jeru not Jerusalem, sorry, Babylon came and com commissioned the best of the best to return from Jerusalem, to return back to Babylon, the creme de la creme, the wise, the beautiful, the intelligent, these were the best. And among them was four men. And these four men are the ones you see here, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, these four guys. And I don't have, and we're, we're going to see this theme over and over again. 
But notice what the story is up to this point that we've read. These are young, Hebrew, brilliant young men, full of wisdom, intelligence, beauty, and promise. And they've been brought to a foreign land as exiles. But they've been given the promise of enjoying all the things that the exilic world provides. All the beauty and the 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 the, the pleasure and the comfort that the exilic world provides is offered to them. Their talent, their gift, their ability allows them access to all the stuff. They get to live better than most Babylonians get to live. They get to live in the kingdom. They get to live among the kings and the satraps and the governors and the rulers. They get to enjoy life, not as one who is enfranchised, but one as an exile, but even as exiles, they get to enjoy all the beauty. And I mean, Babylon is a rich nation with all the pleasures and all the satisfaction you can experience. The only thing they need to do is to let go of their identity. Stay with me, fam. The only thing they need to do is to capitulate, to let go of who they are. You may have grown up Hebrew, but we're going to change your name. Daniel, your name now is Belteshazzar. And you know what? Your three friends, I'm going to call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to change your name change your identity. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to change all of it. We're going to make you Chaldeans now. Teach us a little bit about your culture. We, we, we like that. We want to learn a little something about your culture. Sure. Give us a little bit about that. Um, teach us a little bit about your language. Yeah, sure. We want to learn a little bit, a little bit about your language, but, but, but yeah, you, you might have a semblance of Hebrew in you. But we're offering you all the enjoyment, all the pleasure, all the satisfaction that this world brings. You get to have better things than even the Babylonians. I mean, the everyday Babylonians won't even get to enjoy the stuff that you get to enjoy. But the only thing you have to do, Daniel, the only thing you have to do, Mishael, the only thing you have to do, Hananiah, the only thing you have to do, Azariah, is lose your Hebrew identity. Let go of your Hebrew identity. Why? Because if I can disconnect you from your identity, I can disconnect you from your purpose. Listen to me very, very, very closely, family. And I'm going to lean right into the camera and I'm going to lean right into the mic. Listen very, 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 very closely to me, fam. 
all the devil needs to do is make you question your identity. All the devil needs to do is make you forget who you are. Because if the enemy can take your identity, the enemy can strip you of your purpose. For some of you, you're trying to find your purpose, but you can't find your purpose until you know your identity. Because you have not yet seen that you are a son of God, a child of God, there's no way to be inspired about who God is calling you to, to be and what God is calling you to do. And for too many of us, we have allowed the devil to strip us of our identity, be it shame, be it guilt, be it temptation, whatever it may be. He's stripped us of our identity. And because he stripped us of our identity, he stripped us of our purpose and power. And fam, I'm talking, I'm going to talk heavy. I'm going to talk real heavy for a second, fam. A lot of us are struggling, not because we don't have the power. And a lot of us may be confused and may feel purposeless. It's not because we don't have purpose. A lot of us are dealing with it because we have lost our identity. We let the devil play us. Make us into things that we are not. Make us believe we are things that we are not. And by consequence, we have lost purpose and we have lost power. You want to get your power back? You want to get purpose back? Get to know who you are. And if you have an identity apart from Christ, you have an identity that's limited in purpose and power. But an identity in Christ is one of confidence. It's one of confidence. And that's what the enemy wants to do. If there's anything you're learning from this, fam, is that notice what the culture is doing. They are not Chaldean. They are not Babylonian, but they get to enjoy all the fruit and the pleasures of Babylon. Stay with me, fam. The pleasures of Babylon. They get to enjoy all of that as long as they can just become Babylonians. You already have the talent. You already have the ability. You, you have the look. You got everything that Babylon loves. That's why Babylon brought you in. But Babylon wants you to let go of who you are. And if Babylon can get you to let go of you, you can have all the pleasure of Babylon. But watch this. Pay very close attention here. They can have the pleasure of Babylon. That was Daniel. Not only did they want to change their name, they wanted to eat the, the, the king's food. Remember, the, the Torah, this is their identity, y'all, is a lot of the foods that the Babylonians were eating were the same foods that the scriptures, that, that they in the law were told or prohibited to eat. They would have to let go of the law. They would have to let go of not only their name, that they have to let go of their identity and practice. Not only do they have to let go of their identity and practice, notice in chapter three what happened. In chapter three, they were told to worship the image in the symbol of the Babylonian empire, the image of gold. They were supposed to give all of it up. They were supposed to give all of it up. And if they would, man, they would get to enjoy all the pleasure of Babylon. They would have the pleasure of Babylon, but they would not have the power of God. 
And notice what these men did. They did not succumb to the pressures. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they did not bow down to the culture. Matter of fact, they stood up and they preserved their identity. Watch this. Even though they preserved their identity, they didn't enjoy the pleasure of Babylon, but they had power over Babylon. I'm done. I'm done, y'all. I gotta go. I gotta go. Did y'all hear that? The last thing and then I'm done. They got, they may not have had the pleasures of Babylon, but they had the power over Babylon. How do we know that? Because every time they chose not to compromise, they were promoted. In Babylon, did y'all catch that? They were promoted in Babylon, given bigger rules in Babylon. They became known as the men of wisdom in Babylon. They had authority in Babylon. Daniel became a, a high authoritative figure in Babylon. Why? Because he didn't compromise who he was. He didn't compromise his identity. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I always hate that the story uses their Babylonian names. The story should use their Hebrew names because it was not about them becoming Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was about them staying Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It was about the fact that they didn't bow to the pressure. And when they didn't bow, God showed up miraculously. Did they face opposition? Yes. Were they thrown in the fire? Yes, they were thrown in the fire. But notice that even though they were thrown in the fire, Jesus showed up. In verse 25, it says there was a fourth among them who was like the son of God. They saw the figure of God with them in the fire. You know, some of us are waiting for Jesus to show up, but how many of us are waiting to go on the fire? How, much of, how, much of, how many of us are waiting to be thrown, to be criticized, to be ostracized? How many of us are waiting for those to judge us unfairly? How many of us are waiting for actual real persecution? There ain't no real persecution out here right now, not in America. We talk about persecution as if people are making fun of you, please. There's real persecution out there. And yet in the midst of the persecution, the scriptures say that Jesus showed up. And Jesus, not only did Jesus show up, he saw the Son of God among them and saw God in them, among them, and elevated them. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Notice here, they didn't compromise who they were. They may not have enjoyed the pleasure that Babylon had to bring, but they still had the power over Babylon. Family, let me ask you a question. Are you compromising who you are in order to be elevated or promoted? Are you compromising who you are in order to have power and position? Are you compromising your identity? If there's anything that I'm getting today is do not compromise who you are. 
Stay faithful to who you are. Don't compromise your morals. Don't compromise your identity in Christ. Don't compromise. Just because your coworkers do it doesn't mean you have to do it. Just because they're all doing it doesn't mean you got to be part of the crew. Just because this is how things are done here doesn't mean that you need to do it that way. If you remain faithful to who you are, God will give you authority anyway. Let's take power over pleasure, fam. Because pleasure has no power in it. Father, I thank you today, Lord, as we close this time. Father, Lord, I'm just glad we're in Daniel. Man, there's so much to learn uh, from Daniel. And Father, I just pray that you would continue to impart your wisdom upon us as we continue to navigate through this book. Lord, bless each and every person. Give us the conviction. Give us the conviction to seek your power and to fight against the temptation of pleasure. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Fam, good to see you all. I gotta run. I will see y'all tomorrow. We're gonna keep reading through Daniel. There's a lot in Daniel. I could have been on Daniel for like just 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 chapter one for at least a week or two. Um, but we were able at least to really hear from God concerning what God wants to say to us today. And that's the one thing that I'm getting. Let's not compromise. We will have power regardless. Let's not compromise our identity. We will have power regardless. Um, also, join our Discord. Opus Free on Discord. If you ever have any questions, there's a whole community there that's quick to answer your questions. I'm there as well. We're, I just love that so many of us are now part of that. I mean, there's over, there's now we're, we're, we're crawling towards 400, 400 folks on our Discord. So it's really, really cool that we've got a whole community of people. Um, you'll have instructions. If you want to become a patron and support what we're doing, all that information is there. So please join our Discord, okay? It's Opus Frere on Discord. So just Google it. You'll find it if you already have a Discord. Um, thank you for sending, thank you for posting the link there. Thank you for posting that link. There you go. Um, and so join us on discord. I love discord. We were doing a prayer, uh, yesterday morning after our read and rant. And I think I may end up doing more of those. I can't do it today, but I'm going to spend some time maybe after our, um, read and rant to just go on discord and go on our voice chat and just talk to each, you know, talk to as many of you as we can as time affords me just spend time in prayer. Um, anyway, I'm still prayerfully considering what's next with that, but definitely join our discord. Okay. I want to encourage you to do that. Also text me 954-231-1848, 954-231-1848. Connect with me there. Um, I'm always sending updates whenever something's happening. If we're missing a read and rant, I'm going to post it on discord and I'm going to text it to you as well. And I also text, um, our read and rants every morning. Like I'll text just a quick, you know, two or three sentence synopsis of what the Lord really spoke into us. Um, I do that as often as I can on the, te on by text. And so I want to encourage you to join the text. Okay. Love y'all fam. I will see you guys, uh, tomorrow. All right. Love y'all.